Alhamdulillah, today we'll be completing the first juz. Inshallah. And inshallah, may Allah give all of us the strength to continue this way and make us see that day when we will reach Surah An-Nas as well. Inshallah. Let's study. Just a quick review from ayah number 130. And who will turn away from the religion, from the way of Ibrahim alayhi salam, except for the one who is very ignorant of himself, who is behaving very ignorantly, very foolishly with himself. How? Because when he turns away from the way of Ibrahim, in fact he is destroying himself, he is wasting himself. The way of Ibrahim is the way of submission to Allah. And if a person does not submit to Allah, then he does not fulfill the purpose of his creation. And even if he does get some temporary worldly benefit by not submitting to Allah, in the long run, what is he bargaining for? What is he taking? Loss, failure, punishment. So anyone who opposes, who goes against, who contradicts the way of Ibrahim then what is his end? His end is failure. And certainly we had chosen him in this world. Allah elevated the status of Ibrahim even in this dunya. What does it show? That if a person submits to Allah, he doesn't suffer loss even in this life. No. Allah will not deprive him. وَإِنَّهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ لَمِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ And indeed he, in the hereafter, he will be of those who are righteous. Meaning in the hereafter, Allah will reward him abundantly. Why is it that Allah chose him? Why is it that Allah loves the way of Ibrahim And why is it that Allah is setting that as a standard of either guidance or misguidance? Because إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ When his Lord said to him, submit, what was his reaction? He didn't delay, he didn't think about it, but rather immediately he said, قَالَ He said, أَسْلَمْ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ I submit to the Lord of the worlds. Meaning, why should I not submit to the Lord who created me, to the Lord who owns everything, to the Lord who gave me everything I have. So because He is the Rabb, He is the only one who deserves that we submit to Him. Think about it. Submitting before someone, surrendering yourself to someone, what does it mean? That you do everything they want you to do. You strive to please them. You consider their pleasure or their displeasure in everything that you do. You're always aware, you're always conscious about them. You never want to say no to them. You never ever want to refuse any instruction, any command that comes from them. Tell me, who is it that deserves that we submit to Him? Is there anyone else besides Allah who deserves that we submit to Him? No. Because what has anything else given to us? This dunya. If we dedicate all of our lives to this world, what has this world given to us? It's only given us hardship and pain. Anything that you want to do in this world, you have that realization, nothing will be perfect. You do one thing really well, and the next day, it's ruined. So this world does not deserve that we dedicate ourselves to it completely. Anything else as well, it doesn't deserve. Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Why? Because He is the Lord of the world. He is the one who created us. And this millah of Ibrahim salam, this way of Ibrahim salam, submitting to Allah, this is something that Allah likes so much that look at how Allah is praising it in the Qur'an. And this way of Ibrahim salam, he didn't just keep to himself, but rather he also instructed his children, his descendants, to adopt the same way. The way of submitting to Allah alone. وَوَصَّى بِهَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ بَنِيهِ وَوَصَّى وَصَّى 
He did wasiyah. Biha of it. Who did wasiyah of it? Ibrahim. Who did he do wasiyah to of it? Banihi, to his sons. Who else did wasiyah? Wa Ya'qub and also Ya'qub a.s. What is wasiyah? Wasiyah is from the root letters wa'u swadiyah. And wasiyah is basically an important instruction that a person gives to the other. With a lot of emphasis. The same word wasiyah is also used for a will or a testament. A will that a person makes before he dies, before he passes away. If a person writes a will, if a person gives some instruction before he dies, how is it taken? As a promise, as a commitment. By who? By those who have heard it. By those who have been given that instruction. So they take it very, very seriously. So, وَوَصَّى بِهَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ Ibrahim instructed his sons very clearly with a lot of emphasis. So they understood and they were committed to this. What were they committed to? What does ha refer to? What does it refer to? Ha over here refers to this kalima, the statement that Ibrahim said. What was the statement that he made? أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ I submit to the Lord of the worlds. So this was his way, this was his belief, but he didn't keep it to himself. Rather, what did he do? He also instructed his bani. Bani is a plural of ibn. His sons. Who were the sons of Ibrahim salam? Ismail and Ishaq. Both of them he emphasized. He taught them throughout his life that you are supposed to submit to Allah your Lord and no one else. He is the one who deserves that you completely surrender yourself to. But Ibrahim was not the only one who advised his children to do this. Who else did that? وَيَعْقُوبُ And Ya'qub also did the same thing. Meaning he also advised his sons. And who were the sons of Ya'qub How many sons did he have? Twelve sons. Amongst them was also Yusuf So he instructed his children as well the same thing. And what did they say? That Ya Bani, O my sons, O my dear sons, Bani, this is actually Banin. And Banin is a plural of Ibn. And this address is with a lot of love. Oh my dear children, oh my dear sons, oh my loving sons. So look at the way that he's addressing them. Ya Baniya, inna Allah, indeed Allah, istafa, he has chosen, and istafa is from the root letter sad farewell. He has selected lakum for you a deen, the religion. Allah has chosen for you the deen. Allah has given you the blessing of religion. Look at so many other people. They don't even know who Allah is. They don't even know how to worship Allah. They don't even recognize their creator. And Allah has chosen this deen for you. Which deen? Which religion? The religion of surrendering, submitting to Allah alone. Inna Allah astafa deen. So Allah has given you this huge blessing. Why is He saying this to them? That Allah has chosen for you the deen. He's making them realize what a huge blessing the religion is. What a huge blessing a deen is. People are given many things. Many people. From here to Africa, any country you go to, every society, every place, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given people many blessings. But not everyone is given the blessing of deen. He's making his children realize that, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَى لَكُمُ This deen is from Allah and He has chosen it for you. And when Allah has given you this blessing, فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Then you must not die except that you are Muslim. فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ From the root letters, ميم وَاوْتَى Maut. What does maut mean? Death. And look at لَا تَمُوتُنَّ This noon at the end, with the shadda on it, it gives the meaning of definitely, certainly. 
So la tamutunna when la comes before, meaning never ever should you die. Don't you dare die. Except that you are Muslim. In other words, death should approach you when you are Muslim. When you are in a state of submission to Allah. When you are in a state of obedience to Allah. Don't die at a time when you are disobeying Allah. Does anyone have the choice that he decides when death comes to him and when death does not come to him? Do we have that choice? No, we don't. So how can a person make sure that he does not die unless he is doing a certain action? How can a person do that? That a person does that throughout his life. So when he will live that way, when he will do that throughout his life, then how will he die? In that state. However you live is the way you die. It doesn't happen by chance. It doesn't happen by accident. That a person just happened to be in sajda and then death came to him. Then he died. It doesn't happen by chance that a person happened to be in a place where wrong things were happening and then he passed away over there. No. A person dies in the state that he lives. You die the way you live. So he instructed them, فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ Don't you dare die except that you are Muslim. What is he telling them? That live as Muslims throughout your life. You should be Muslim throughout your life. You should be those who submit to Allah throughout your life. Whether it is a time of marriage or it is a time of sadness, whether it is a time of success or failure, you're happy, you're excited, you're sad, you're gloomy, you're depressed, you're sick, you're healthy, you're old, you're young. No matter what state, no matter what phase, no matter what age of life you're in, you have to live Islam because death can come to you at any time. Don't we see children dying? Don't we see adults dying? Don't we see healthy people dying? Sick people dying, successful, failures, all types of people die because kullu nafsin dha'iqatul maut. Every person is going to taste death. So death is not going to leave you. It's definitely going to come to you. So you have to remain a Muslim throughout your life, no matter what state you're in. So that falata mutunna illa wa antum muslimun. What do we learn in this verse? We learn in this verse that Ibrahim salam, Yaqub salam. The prophets of Allah, not just the two of them, but the other prophets of Allah. What legacy did they leave behind? Did they tell their people, their children, their families, or their followers to worship them? To be called by the names of their prophets? Or to stray away from the religion? No. All of the prophets, their legacy was what? What did they leave behind? That you must worship Allah. You must submit to Allah. From Nuh alayhi salam to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi salam, all the messengers conveyed the same message. That, oh you people, you must worship Allah. So the Bani Israel, when they were offered Islam, what excuse did they present? That we don't have to be Muslim because we were told, we were instructed by our forefathers that we have to remain al-Yahud. This is what we have to remain as. So they were being told that Ibrahim alayhi salam, Yaqub alayhi salam, this is not what they instructed you to do. They instructed you to worship Allah, to submit to Him. And part of submitting to Allah is believing in the messenger that he has sent. Another lesson that we learn in this verse is that a person instructs his children with what he loves and he finds very important. Ibrahim salam, Yaqub salam, because they loved this deen, because they found this deen to be very important, this is why they instructed their children to live with that deen, to live by that deen throughout their lives. If you ever want to see whether somebody loves something or not, just check. Do they give it to their children? Do they offer it to their kids? 
If they offer it to their kids, that means that they truly love it. And if they don't give it to their children, that means that they don't really like it. There's something about it that they're not comfortable with, which is why they won't give it to their children. Now we must test ourselves over here. Don't we claim that we love Islam, we love the Qur'an? We all say that. I love Allah, I love the Messenger, I love the Qur'an, I love Islam. We all say that. What's the evidence, what's the proof of that? That we truly love Islam, we truly love Allah, that we would want the same for who? For our families, for our children, for our spouses, for our parents. And if we don't want the same for our families, then what does it mean? Then there's a problem with that claim. That claim is not really true. So if we really love deen, if we really love the Qur'an, then we must also want the same for who? For our families. If we are studying the Qur'an, if we know how to recite the Qur'an, we should want the same for who? Our families. Because many times it happens that people, they are very religious, but at the same time, their family members are far from their religion. Very far. Whether it's their spouse or their children or their parents or their cousins, whoever, they're very far from their religion. Now one is that they are trying their best to make their family members come closer to the deen and they're not accepting. That's a different case. But the problem is when a person does not even offer that to his children, does not even offer that to his family. And if any one of you feel that religion is being forced on you, like sometimes it happens that we feel our mothers are after us, pray, come to this class, then just realize, know that your mother loves this stuff. This is the only reason why she's telling you. Otherwise she wouldn't tell you. She really wouldn't. She loves it. And this is why she's telling you. And remember, we learned about Ihsan bil Walidain, being good towards parents. Part of being good towards our parents is doing what they want us to do. Accepting what they give us. One of the sisters, she came up to me and she told me that her mother forced her to come here and she fought with her mother. She resisted. She's like, I don't want to go. She fought with her so much, but her mother forced her. You have to go. And she said, now I come here. And I love it here. So anything that your parents want for you, know that they love it. That's the only reason why they're giving it to you. Another important lesson that we learn in this verse is that actions are determined by what? The intention. However, actions are also determined by the way they end. Bil khawatim. By the way they end. If a person is a Muslim, here and there, he submits to Allah, obeys Allah here and there, but then he dies in a state where he's not obedient to Allah. Is he dying in a state that he is Muslim? No. And how will a person be resurrected on the Day of Judgment? In the way that he died. A person will be resurrected on the Day of Judgment. How? In the way that he died. What he was doing while he passed away, that is exactly how he will rise up on the Day of Judgment. So it's important that we worry about the intention, we worry about the action, but we also worry about the end, the final end, the completion of what we are doing. For instance, we started this course. We had a good intention. Alhamdulillah, we strive every day to perfect our intention, to improve our intention. So even if we face difficulties, we keep going, we focus on the action. But we must also focus on what? On the end. Because if a person does not reach the end, has he completed the deed? No, he hasn't. So, فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ We should be concerned about the end of our actions as well. Next ayah. أَمْ كُنْتُمْ Or were you present? إِذْ حَضَرَ يَعْقُوبَ الْمَوْتِ When death approached Ya'qub alayhi salam. أَمْ كُنْتُمْ شُهَدَاء is a plural of shahid or shaheed. Who is shahid? A witness. شِينْ هَا 
a person who witnesses, a person who sees something. So am kuntum shuhada, were you present? Were you witnesses? Were you there? Who is you? You over here is referring to the Yehud and Nasara, the Jews and the Christians, but not just them, all people. Were you present at the time when Hadara Ya'qub al Maut, when death approached Ya'qub alayhi salam? Hadara, Hadara, to be present, to approach. Hudur. Hudur is what? The appearance of something, when something is there. So when death, al Maut from the root letters, mean wauta, when death came to Ya'qub alayhi salam. In other words, when he was at the verge of dying. And you can imagine, when a person is about to die, what will he say? What is very beloved to him? You may have heard, you may have seen that if people, they're at their deathbed, who are they talking about? Their children, their grandchildren, or their business, or whatever they like. So whatever is very important to a person is what he will mention at the time that he is dying. Like for example, you will read in the news that if people were trapped somewhere, they were about to die, or they felt that they were going to die, they sent text messages to their family members, or they gave messages to their friends, please tell my mom, I love her. Please tell my dad, I love him. Please tell so and so, I love them. That's what? Their last statement. And it is something that they really, really love. It is about what they really love. So were you present at the time when death approached Yaqub a.s.? So what did he say at that time? It banihi when he said to his sons, Bani, singular is Ibn. When he said to his sons, Ma Ta'buduna min Ba'di, what will you worship after me? Ta'buduna Ain Badal. Ibadah is worship. So imagine Yaqub is at his deathbed, and all of his sons, his twelve sons, they're there present around him. And he's asking them, What will you worship after me? What will you do after me? He didn't ask them, my dear son, are you going to buy that store or are you going to sell it? Are you going to continue with that business or are you not going to? Please continue. Are you going to buy that house? Are you going to live in this house? Are you going to go back home? What are you going to do? He is asking them about their religion. Why? Because whatever people own in this world, their properties, what's going to happen? It's going to remain in this dunya. Whatever things your family owns, what's going to happen? It's going to stay here and we're going to move on. And eventually all of these things are going to finish. And in the hereafter, what is going to matter? Our deeds, who we worshipped, what we did, that is going to matter. So he's not concerned about their dunya, rather he's concerned about what? Their akhirah. So he's asking, what will you worship after me? Who will you worship after me? So what was their response? Qalu, they said, na'budu ilahaka. We will worship your God. Ilah, Hamza, Lam, Ha. We are going to worship your God, meaning the Lord that you worship, we are going to continue to worship Him. We're going to stay on the same religion. Na'budu ilahaka wa ilaha abaika. And also the God of who? Your fathers. Aba is a plural of ab. And ab is father. Aba, fathers. Now obviously a person only has one father. So why is the plural being used? Because the plural in the Arabic language does not just apply to the biological father, but it also applies to grandfather, his father, his grandfather, uncles. So who does it refer to? Forefathers. So they said that we are going to worship your God, the God of your fathers, Ibrahim, wa Ismail, wa Ishaq. Who was Ibrahim a.s.? The grandfather of Yaqub a.s. Who was Ismail a.s.? The uncle of Yaqub a.s. And who was Ishaq alayhi salam? The father of Yaqub alayhi salam. Did you write this down? 
Ibrahim a.s. was who? The grandfather of Yaqub a.s. Ismail was the paternal uncle. And Ishaq a.s. was the father. So you know why they said Aba, your forefathers, your fathers? Because it's referring to grandfather, it's referring to uncle, and it's also referring to father. So we are going to worship the same God. Who is that God? Ilaha wahida. One God. The only one true God. وَنَحْنُ And we will be lahu to Him alone, Muslimun, ones who submit. Plural of Muslim. We are only going to submit to Him. We're going to continue this deen. We're not going to change it. We're not going to abandon it. What do we learn in this verse? That Ibrahim a.s. left the message of Tawheed with who? With his children. And Yaqub a.s. He also left the message of Tawheed worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone with his children. Both of them left the exact same legacy. So what does that mean? That their descendants, their offspring, their children were to continue the same thing. And if they claimed that no, our father told us, our grandfather told us that we should do something else, then their claim is false. It's not true. So in these ayat we see mainly that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us that the only religion, the only true religion from the first day is which one? The religion of Islam, of submitting to Allah alone. All the messengers brought this message. This is what they taught and this is what they left behind them. This was the way of all of the messengers. So we learn in this verse that Tawheed, worshipping Allah alone, belief in Allah alone as the only God. This was the way of all of the prophets. And this was also the legacy of all of the prophets. Then we also learn in this verse that death is certain. Death is something that is certain. That every single person, no matter who he is, no matter how righteous, no matter how pious he is, Eventually a day is going to come when he is going to die. Even who? The prophets of Allah. Even the prophets of Allah suffered from death. Because what do we learn in this verse? إِذْ حَضَرَ يَعْقُوبُ الْمَوْتِ When death came to Ya'qub a.s. So death is certain even for the prophets. Even for Muhammad wasallam. We learn in the Qur'an, Allah says in Surah Ali Imran, Ayah 144, that وَمَا مُحَمَّدٌ إِلَّا رَسُولٌ and Muhammad ﷺ is not but a messenger. He was only a messenger. And many messengers have passed before him. So just as the previous messengers passed away, they died, he too will die. And the day came when he passed away as well. Then we also learn in this verse that following the forefathers, being on the way of your ancestors, is not something that is bad in and of itself. Because some people think, but the Qur'an tells us that we must never ever follow our forefathers, our ancestors in any way, in any respect. Is it true? It's not true. Following the forefathers is not something that is evil in and of itself. It's only evil when a person follows them in ways that are wrong, in ways that are incorrect. If your ancestors are righteous, they are good people, then what are you supposed to do? Follow them as well. Because this is what we see in this verse. That Yaqub a.s. he's telling his children what? To follow him. And his sons, what did they say? That we're going to follow you, your God, we're going to worship him, and we're going to worship the God of who? Your forefathers. And when it comes to worldly matters, do we follow our ancestors? Do we? What they cook, do we cook the same thing? Yes. What they wear, do we wear the same thing? Yeah, if it's decent enough, if it's good, if it looks nice, yeah, we'll do it. The way they live, do we live in the same way? 
Many times we do. But if we find a better way, a better option, do we go for that? Yes, we do. For example, it's quite possible your grandparents, they lived perhaps you know, in a house that was very spacious, very open, with an open roof, with a courtyard. But you're living in this country, and if you make a house like that, you'll be in a lot of trouble when snow comes in. So you're not going to do the same thing. Similarly, it's quite possible that in your family, education was not given much importance before. It happens many times, right? That perhaps people were completely in their business. So there was no concept of people going to get higher education. But if you have the opportunity to get higher education, will you do it? Yes, you will. Many times we think that just because we are born in a Muslim family, we grow up as Muslims, we can do whatever we want to. doesn't matter, we're fine. We can not bother to recite the Qur'an, we can even not bother to pray salah. We were born Muslim, so we are going to be Muslim forever, whether we strive to be Muslim or not. And in the year after, we'll be fine. But what do we learn today? It doesn't matter how you're born. What matters more is how you die, how you live. Many people are not born Muslim. But what happens? They become Muslim and they die as Muslims. Their fate is different compared to a person who was perhaps a born Muslim but doesn't die as an active Muslim. So we shouldn't be concerned about being from Muslim family, but we have to be concerned about living as Muslims. That we see how Ibrahim loved his sons because of which he gave them the very best. He emphasized to them that you must live as Muslims. And then they also passed on the same message to their children. But what do we see? That they weren't able to convey that message except with love. Many times it happens that we want our families to become better Muslim, whether it's our children or our siblings or our spouses, whatever. We want them to become better Muslim. But tell me, how do we talk to them when we want them to do something good? In what way do we address them? Usually, we say, get up and do this. Get up and pray. Have you prayed? Don't tell me about what you did today. Tell me, have you prayed? Why are you reading this? Did you read the Qur'an? We start snapping, we start yelling, we become so rude, we become so harsh, so mean. But tell me, when it comes to the matters of dunya, if we want them to go and get us something from the store, then how will we talk to them? Love, could you do this for me? So nicely we talk to them. But when it comes to the matters of deen, it's as though we've forgotten all our manners. So we can only pass on the message of deen to our families if we have a loving relationship with them. Even when it comes to very little children, if you want to discipline them, what's the best way of showing them that you love them? Then they will listen to you, then they will trust you. But if you come across them as an authority figure, somebody who's trying to control their life, then what will they do? They will avoid you, they will run away from you. So if you want deen for your family, you better have a very loving relationship with them. Then in ayah number 133, قَالُوا نَعْبُدُ إِلَهَكَ وَإِلَهَ آبَائِكَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ وَإِسْمَعِيلُ وَإِسْحَاقُ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ We learn from this that following our forefathers is not something that is in and of itself something evil. It is only evil when forefathers, ancestors are followed in bad ways. But when it comes to good things, then we must follow them. We must continue them. Many times it happens that a girl will say, My mother wears hijab, but I don't. My father prays, but I don't. My father has a beard, but I don't. You know, people will say that kind of stuff. My father gives charity, but I don't. My grandparents went for hajj, but I don't think it's important for me to go. When we follow our ancestors, our parents, in worldly matters, then we must also follow them when it comes to deen, when it comes to the truth. 
And likewise, if we find that our forefathers were perhaps doing something wrong because of their ignorance, because they did not know any better, and if we have found the truth, if we have found something better, then what should we do? We should go for that. Because many times, even when people will find an evidence from the Qur'an and Sunnah, they will not go for it. What will they say? We pray like this in our family. You know, in our family, we don't do this. In our family, we do that. And they will not follow the truth. So it's incumbent, it's necessary that we don't become blind followers of our ancestors, but rather we follow them in the truth only. Question is, if you find that your parents perhaps were doing something wrong, you find out that it's not right, you shouldn't do it, and you don't want to do it, but they want you to do it. It happens, right? Such differences amongst families. So how do you address that? Because at the same time, we also learn about pleasing the parents and doing what they want us to do, being good towards them. How do you deal with that situation? Like I said earlier, loving relationship is something that is very important. You must show to your parents that you love them. If they trust you, if they know that you love them, if they know that you are an obedient child, then you know what's going to happen? They are going to respect your choices. If you are respectful with them. Many times it happens that when children become more religious, then they start disobeying their parents. Their parents want them to study properly in school. They say, no, I don't want to study in school. I want to become a religious scholar. Okay, how are you going to become a scholar? I don't know. I'm going to go to Saudi Arabia and I'm going to study there. The parents say, no, you can't go. How are you going to go? And then he also says, I want to get married. How are you going to support your family? So the parents think that becoming more religious is making their children disobedient children, unrealistic children, and they don't support their religion anymore. This is what happens. If we show to them that we love them, we will obey them. However, in this matter, we would rather do this, then they will respect your choices. And even if they don't respect your choices, then you know what you do? You do what you're doing silently, quietly, don't make a big deal out of it, and still continue your loving relationship with them. We learn about this, for example, from Musab ibn anhu. He became Muslim and his mother did not want him to be a Muslim. She made it very clear. But he also told her very nicely that I'm not going to leave Islam. Eventually, she had to accept. Just the other day, somebody was telling me about this person who married a girl from a very different community. So I was surprised that how could these two ever get married? So they were telling me that he just said to his parents that I'm marrying her, that's it. You want to come to my wedding? Go ahead. If you don't, don't. He made it very clear to his parents. So eventually his parents were okay with it. I'm sure he did it in a nice way, which is why his parents were okay with it. When it comes to dunya, tell me, don't we make our parents agree and accept? I want this phone. They said, no, you can't have it. It's too expensive. No, no, I want it. I'll come up with 50% of the money. You give 50%. I'll work and you do this. I'll only make these many calls. We make conditions. We do so many things. We talk them over and over again. And eventually what happens? They agree. But this is my one advice to all those who have this problem that their parents don't want them becoming more religious. Obey your parents. Obey your parents in other matters and they will eventually respect your choice. I'll tell you my own example. My grandfather, he was also a religious scholar and the madhab that he followed was quite different from the one that my mother, she learned and she was following. So there was a huge difference to the point that I remember when we were young, we would go to our grandparents' house and once I was praying and my grandfather was like, oh, she's praying like that. She's doing this in her salah. And he didn't stop me. He didn't say anything to me. He appreciated the fact that I was praying. He liked that. And I have seen my mother respect my grandfather so much and my grandfather respect my mother so much. 
Never ever have I ever seen them arguing or disrespecting one another or my mother ever even saying anything negative about him. Never. She respects him. She loves him. And he loved her. Whereas there was a huge difference. A huge difference. But there was respect. Why? Because my mother was an obedient child. She was a very respectful daughter. And because of that, he accepted her. And he listened to her. But the point is that you must have a loving relationship with your parents. You must obey them. You must love them. Show them that you care. And when you will do that, they will eventually accept. It will take time. But they will accept inshallah. Let's continue. Allah says, تِلْكَ أُمَّةٌ قَدْ خَلَتْ That is a nation that has in fact passed. تِلْكَ أُمَّةٌ تِلْكَ This is the feminine of ذَلِكَ ذَلِكَ that, تِلْكَ also that. ذَلِكَ is referring to male and تِلْكَ is for female. Ummatun is a feminine word in the Arabic language. This is why tilka is being used. I told you before that every noun is either masculine or feminine in Arabic. So tilka ummatun, that is a nation. Qad khalat, in fact it has passed. Khalat khalam wa. We have done the word khalaw earlier. Wa ida khalaw ila shayatinihim. So qad khalat, they have passed, they have gone, they're over. Who? Who does this ummah refer to? Ummah is basically a group of people, a community, a nation. It's referring to Ibrahim ﷺ, Ishaq ﷺ, Ismail ﷺ, Yaqub ﷺ, his 12 sons. These are people who are now gone. They have passed away. They have died. They're gone in the past. لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ For it is what it earned. كَسَبَتْ كَافْ سِينْبَا And for you, وَلَكُمْ مَا كَسَبْتُمْ And for you is what you earn. They will get the reward, the recompense of the deeds they perform, and you will get the recompense of the deeds that you perform. They will not be questioned about your deeds, and you will not be questioned about their deeds. Each person is responsible for themselves, individual responsibility. وَلَا تُسْأَلُونَ عَمَّا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ And you will not be asked about what they used to do. تُسْأَلُونَ سِينَ هَمْزَ لَامْ سُؤَال Question. You will not be asked about what they used to do. Why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling us this? That they are a people who are now gone. They will have what they earned, you will get what you earn, and you will not be questioned about what they used to do. The point is that do something yourself. Don't rely on the righteousness of your ancestors. You inherit genes, but you don't inherit religion. You don't inherit that. You have to put effort yourself. You have to strive yourself. You have to do something yourself. وَلَا تُسْأَلُونَ عَمَّا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ So worry about your own actions. Many times people are stuck in the past. My parents, my grandparents, my ancestors, my family. Worry about your actions. They are now gone. You're going to be questioned about what you have done. What do we learn in this verse? We learn that there is no benefit in just being proud of what the people of the past did. You have to do something yourself. Muslims especially, whenever we have an interfaith dialogue, whenever we come across non-Muslims, we talk about how the Muslim caliphate was the best and how the Muslims conquered and how they went to different, different places and how the Muslim empires were. We talk a lot about that. But you know what? That's history. They're not going to look at Islam by the way the people of the past were. They're going to look at Islam by the way you are today. You. You matter today. Your deeds matter. The people of the past are gone. Then we also learn in this verse that Every person must be concerned about his own actions, about what he is doing. We learn in a hadith that man bihi amaluhu lam bihi nasabuhu. That if a person's deeds have left him behind, meaning because of his deeds a person is not able to go forward in religion, then his nasab, his genealogy, ancestry, his family is not going to get him ahead. 
Just because your family is righteous, you're not going to become better just like that. No, you have to do something yourself. Then we also learn that we should not be concerned about bad things that happened amongst the righteous people of the past. What do I mean by this? Every person, whether he's righteous or not, who is he after all? A human being. And human beings are not perfect. They cannot be perfect. They always have some shortcomings. Even if a person was from amongst the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. After all, who is he or she? A human being. So even though they were very righteous, it's quite possible they ended up making some errors. But what do we learn in the Qur'an about them? رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ Allah is happy with them, they are happy with Allah. And eventually, everyone's hisab is with who? With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we should not be stuck about why Ali عنه did that, and why Muawiyah عنه did that, and why Aisha عنه did that. We shouldn't be stuck in the past. No, we shouldn't argue about these things. Because there are some people from amongst the Muslims who show their anger every year, every few months against who? Abu Bakr عنه, against Muawiyah against Umar, against Usman ajma'een. But they don't realize that whatever happened in the past is over. What do we learn in this verse? لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ وَلَكُمْ مَا كَسَبْتُمْ What they did, Allah will recompense them for it. But you will be recompensed for what you are doing. So if you stand today talking bad about them, if you stand today slandering them, accusing them, insulting them, you are going to be questioned about it. We learned that Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, he was asked about the companions, and he said that هَذِهِ دِمَاءٌ طَهَّرَ اللَّهُ سُيُوفَنَا مِنْهَا These are, you know, lives that were lost, but Allah kept our swords clean from that. Meaning we didn't have anything to do with their deaths. We didn't have anything to do with the harm that they suffered. فَنَحْنُ نُطَهِّرُ أَلْسِنَةَنَا مِنْهَا So we will keep our tongues clean from talking against them. Allah saved us from harming them, so we are going to save our tongues from harming them. In personal lives as well. Many times it happens that a mother tells a daughter, you know your grandmother, your father's mother, she did this to me and she said that to me. And you don't know about her mother. She was even more evil. And you don't know about my dad uncle who passed away 20 years ago. He did that. And I heard that my uncle suffered from this from his father who died 50 years ago. They're over. They're gone. Their life is over. Laha ma kasabat. They will get what they earn. But remember that walakum ma kasabtum. The Prophet ﷺ told us, La tasubbul amwat. Don't curse those people who are dead, who have passed away. Don't say bad things about them. Why? Because when you're saying bad things about them, you'll be questioned about it. What they did is over. Even people who are alive, not just those people who are dead, but even those people who are living. Many times it happens that when we were very young, somebody harmed us, somebody said something to us, and we don't forget for the rest of his life. Okay, it happens that you're not able to get over that harm that they caused you. It's possible. However, it doesn't mean that you keep talking about it again and again and again. Your children who haven't even seen your in-laws, they are filled with animosity against their relatives who have passed away. So remember that if anyone harms you, if anyone does something wrong, if anyone does something good, lahama kasabat, they will get what they have done. But you should be worried about yourself, about your actions, what you are saying, what you are doing. Many times it happens that a woman has had a bad experience with her in-laws and even though she's moved out, still her children, they hate their family. They hate their grandparents. They hate their relatives from the father's side. Who has instilled that hatred? The mother. You don't need to talk about this stuff. You don't need to tell them. 
always tell your children good things, positive things about your family members. Always. Even if they've harmed you in whatever way. I remember I came across a family once, these children, they were saying negative things about their relatives and their cousins had no idea. They had no idea that, okay, dad, uncle did this, dad, aunt did that. They had no idea. Why? Because their parents never corrupted their hearts. They always kept their hearts clean. So we should be careful about the kind of things we talk about with one another. Many times it happens that, for example, our husband, he doesn't know about the people that we work with. Do we need to tell him negative things about what our co-worker did? You don't have to. Lahama kasabat, walakum kasabtum. What they did, they'll be questioned about it, but you will be questioned about the ghibah that you are doing. But the backbiting that you're doing. Telling negative things about other girls to other people. I mean, there's no point in doing that. A person should be worried about what is going in his record of deeds. وَلَا تُسْأَلُونَ عَمَّا كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Then we also learn in this verse about the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That if a person has done something wrong, he will be questioned about it. Each person will be held accountable for his own deeds. Let's listen to the recitation and then we'll continue. وَمَنْ يَرْغَبُ عَنْ مِلَّةِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ إِلَّا مَنْ سَفِهَ نَفْسَهُ وَلَقَدْ اصْطَفَيْنَاهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَإِنَّهُ فِي الْآخِرَةِ لَمِنَ الصَّالِحِينَ إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ قَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ وَوَصَّى بِهَا إِبْرَاهِيمُ بَنِيهِ وَيَعْقُوبُ يَا بَنِيَّ إِنَّ اللَّهَ اصْطَفَى لَكُمُ الدِّينَ فَلَا تَمُوتُنَّ إِلَّا وَأَنْتُمْ مُسْلِمُونَ أَمْ كُنْتُمْ شُهَدَاءَ إِذْ حَضَرَ يَعْقُوبَ الْمَوْتُ إِذْ قَالَ لِبَنِيهِ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ مِنْ بَعْدِي قَالُوا نَعْبُدُ إِلَهَكَ وَإِلَهَ آبَائِكَ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَإِسْمَاعِيلَ وَإِسْحَاقَ إِلَهًا وَاحِدًا وَنَحْنُ لَهُ مُسْلِمُونَ تلك أمة قد خلت لها ما كسبت ولكم ما كسبتم ولا تسألون عما كانوا يعملون